Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. On the record with White House correspondent April Ryan. Congresswoman Presley, first of all, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I've been trying to get to you for a long time, and then you made this um, brave, bold move um, by telling your truth and unveiling what's really happening with you. And you're not alone in this. A lot of us, and I say us for a reason because it's true, a lot of us are dealing as you get older and then stresses um, cause hair loss. And you bravely told your story. How hard was that to do? I mean, and, and, and you told it, you told it not long after it really started happening. I was like, around impeachment, you said you, you had lost it all. Yes. Well, first, it's very generous of you to say that it's brave. I don't, um, I feel in every way that I'm just honoring the tradition of, of black women. Um, truth telling and creating space. And so in that sense, it feels very consistent um, with the role that black women have played huh. since the beginning of time. And I did it because I felt that I could only, for me, authentically lead by being fully transparent. I was heavy with the weight of the secret and the shame of it all. And because I had been so public about my own hair journey and intentional about wearing my hair in Senegalese twists and a protective ethno-afrocentric hairstyle there was no way that people would not have questions and i especially felt i owed these little girls <clears throat> excuse me an explanation after i won the general uh, won, after i won my election there were t-shirts that were made up that said my congresswoman wears braids uh, rocks a black leather jacket and a bold red lip <laughs> and I just kept seeing uh, the graphic of that t-shirt in my mind and so I felt that I, I owed people an explanation and then also um, you know I wanted some some self-agency I wanted to own my my story my truth my image especially at a time when I had been robbed of all of that this happened very quickly. I was uh, made aware of my first spot of or patch of alopecia at the end of September, actually heading into Congressional Black Caucus. And then from Thanksgiving to December 17th, I went completely bald. Oh. So I never really had a period. Some people have alopecia erota where they have patches. 
and I have universalis. So that means that I very quickly, within like a four to six week period, have a separate total hair loss on my head, my face, and my body. Oh. And so the, um, the eve of impeachment, which was actually my mother's, would have been my mother's birthday. Mm. Um, um, may she rest in peace and power. Uh, was when the last bit of the hair, you know, came out, and uh, I had to move very quickly. I, so I texted my sister Angela Rye. She put me in touch with Jamal Edmonds, um, and uh, he met me at his salon at six o'clock in the morning, and you know, fit me with a unit, and um, and then I had to get to the house floor. So there's very very little time to emotionally recover and to process what was happening. Good old Angela. <laughs> she knows she can put you in the direction of someone to help. As we talk about alopecia, there are various ways and reasons why it happens. It could be through um, a hereditary trait. It could be through stress. And I know um, I suffer with something called CCCA. Mine started with stress. And I was thinking about you when you were talking about this. You have been under tremendous stress. You have you were part of the squad. You were um, you were called names. You were threatened. And I'm sure. thinking about my situation over the last couple of years. I was threatened. I was called names and you still have to hold a public demeanor and you people don't realize you internalize these things. Um, do you think that? And I thought about that with you yeah. because I'm, I'm trying to rock a unit now um, uh -huh. and, and, and trying to bring the hair back. But my question to you, do you think that or was that a contributor, the stress that you've been under mm -hmm. lately? You know, let me just, you know, my response to that question is, is a. Uh, always the same which is you know i'm an only child my mother uh remains my shero the woman who gave me my roots and my wings and she raised me alone and when i lowered her into the ground you know i still have not recovered that mm. is a permanent heartbreak and if i didn't go bald after i lowered the most important person in my life into the ground um you know i don't think this is stress <laughs> that being said alopecia is an autoimmune disease and certainly stress can trigger flare-ups but it cannot cause alopecia. There needs to be more research. Um, what they know is that if you have um, uh, more melanin, uh, you're at greater risk. So that's why many Hispanics and African-Americans uh, suffer from alopecia. If you have a thyroid condition, if you have asthma, but there needs to be more research. And uh, there, there's some work that I'll be um, supporting now as an ambassador uh, by default, you know, a, a proud alopecian. Now I have a, a ball squad too. Um, <laughs> in, in, you know, anyone who has suffered traumatic hair loss, uh, all those communities have reached out to me, whether it's um, as a result of chemotherapy and cancer treatment, mm -hmm. heredity, DNA, um, or various forms of, of alopecia, alopecia rota, universalis, traction alopecia. That's right. Um, and so one of the things legislatively, the bill is a HR 3332, and it's a, a bill that would uh, have insurance uh, cover medically durable wigs. Right now, the insurance companies consider alopecia to be a cosmetic disease. So this is uh, not dissimilar from the fight uh, that was uh, waged on behalf of breast cancer survivors many years ago. Actually, uh, Maxine Waters uh, was one of the, was at the forefront of this in the state legislature, um, where they used to consider reconstructive surgery and implants to be cosmetic. Mm 
And of course, now that is covered by insurance. You know, so I can only tell you what uh, my pastor said to me, and that is that God has just enlarged my territory. And my husband, you know, as his heart broke for me and the trauma of this, and I felt, uh, you know, I didn't feel feminine. I didn't feel pretty. I didn't feel like myself. Uh, increasingly met with the image of a stranger in the mirror. And, uh, and he said, you know, you were chosen. And so my pastor said, you know, this is just enlarge my territory. And I just want to make sure that I'm a responsible steward um, of my platform always. And that platform has only been expanded um, with my uh, alopecia diagnosis. As your preacher is teaching you to speak the prayer of Jabaz, um, I, I, you know, I stand with you because people would say the same. It's so ironic that you're saying some of the same things. People would ask me, how did you stand, you know, with this, that, and the other? I said, you know, I lost my mother uh, 14 years ago, and I said there was nothing harder than that. So this is nothing. And my mother used to always say it's not what they call you, but what you answer to. So it's so interesting. Yeah. Okay, let me write that down. <laughs> It's not I need that. Yes, it's, I, I, I receive that. Now, see that you and I look at our kinship here. That's what you I'm know, saying, and we're link sisters as well. Now, you know what else we need to have in common, April? What that dress you had on uh, the last time I saw you? We need to have that in common. I'll, I'll hook you. I'll hook you up with the designer. I, I it's a boutique in Baltimore. Yes, yes. I, I, said, I said, I said, are you keeping April Ryan style game right about now? And, and so I'll have to, I'll have to support the boutique at some point but yeah, yeah I'll, I'll give you that off the air now okay. now moving into the news of the day I mean it's so much um, I've been saying uh, I was on a, a thread with Angela Don Lemon Bakari and Andrew Gillum we were talking about the news of the day I said it's not over I said because this is the after party and we haven't seen the after after party yet for impeachment and I'm talking about this Roger Stone um uh, the changing of his reversing of his sentencing and a possible pardon and the fact that a nomination for the Justice Department, I mean, not Justice, a nomination for the Treasury Department was withdrawn because she was involved in the Roger Stone case. Is this is this a breaking of the rule of law? Is this normal? Um, what are we seeing? Is this an alternate universe? You said the news of the day, what I refer to as the latest trauma, you know, mm. the latest trauma, the latest abuse of uh, a power. You know, when it comes to this administration, they're nothing if not consistent and even predictable. I feel like I'm sort of emotionally rubbernecking, you know, it's like driving past the scene of an accident. Um, you know, they are corrupt. They are callous. Um, they are chaotic. And so this is just more of the same, uh, another demonstration of lawlessness, corruption, and a flagrant abuse of power, um, and very consistent with this DOJ. You know, you asked me about how have I been able to stand firm. You know, certainly I've looked to women like you and uh, Congresswoman Waters and Frederica Wilson and other uh, black women uh, who have been in the sight line of the ire of these uh offender-in-chief, this racist-in-chief, uh, Donald J. Trump. Um, and so, I, you know, I stand firm based on, I derive, you know, strength from your example, but also I have perspective. You know, at the, at the most acute point of the hateful rhetoric, which I appeal to people to not take the bait 
and to focus on hateful policies, which would cause more harm. The same day, the Eric Garner family was denied justice by the DOJ. And so, you know, we have to keep these things in perspective. So this is just more of the same and is consistent with how this administration functions and how this DOJ is operating. Um, but I would also add that we, even though we're fatigued, um, that we still have tools available to us to hold this administration accountable. And so I'm pleased that the, by the leadership of Chairman Nadler and Senator Harris, respectively, um, demanding that AG Barr uh, come before the Judiciary Committees, respectively. So, And he has agreed. You know, he has agreed to do that. Well, you know, we'll see. I mean, again, we find ourselves in unprecedented, you know, times and terrain, and we've experienced unprecedented evading obstruction and stonewalling from this administration. And A.G. Barr is certainly... Unlike the four career prosecutors who resigned today, he's not someone that I would consider a patriot. He's already proven himself to be more concerned with the personal and self-interest of Donald J. Trump than the American people. Huh. Uh, he's Donald J. Trump's attorney. He's not ours. So if he has had a, um, an epiphany of sorts, I'm encouraged. So for the American public that's watching, the only thing that's left is voting in November. Is that, is that what you believe? For the electorate, no. Uh, I mean, I don't, I think, you know, civic engagement is, and, and dissent, which I consider the ultimate form of patriotism, uh, the resistance. You know, the day of the so-called State of the Union, I delivered an alternative response to the Working Families Party. And in that, I said the state of our movement is strong. And that is true. Because in the face of these draconian, xenophobic, racist, oppressive policies being rolled out by the hours sometimes, it seems. We continue to organize, we continue to mobilize, we continue to resist, and we continue to make headway. I, I mean, I'm, I'm right now celebrating, after decades of vigilance and courage, that thanks to Eleanor Holmes Norton, that we are one step closer to uh, realizing D.C. statehood. You know, that was just reported out of a committee, out of the Oversight Committee yesterday. Um, you know, in my time here, I've, you know, convened the first hearing in the history of Congress and Oversight and Reform on Childhood Trauma. I established the Future of Transportation Caucus. I introduced the People's Justice Guarantee Resolution, which is a radical reimagining of our criminal injustice system. You know, so... We're on our grind. We're still working and leading on issues of care and consequence to the American people. And yes, the electorate has the power to vote, and, and that's important. And uh, they have the power and need to participate in the census, and that is important. And they have the power, um, and I believe the responsibility to demonstrate activist leadership all day, every day, um, because that's what the times demand. So uh, that's what's still available to us. You know, oversight, the... Um, the voting booth or the ballot, I should say. You know, I'm 46, so we still say the booth. Uh, but uh, that's a shy town in me. Um, but um, yeah, oversight, the ballot, 
and um, empower the people, the movement. Huh. And lastly, um, <laughs> you know, the Dems... We have to evict him, let me just be clear. Yeah. You know, we have to evict him. So. Evict him out of the public housing, I get you. Um, <laughs> um, at the end of the day, we are now, and one of the tools you're talking about, voting, Dems are trading up. This is a historic time. You know, um, those who peak too early are no longer either in the race or in the top tier anymore. And we saw the last two remaining racially diverse minorities, uh, racial minorities, uh, leave the race. Today we saw Deval Patrick leave. What does that mean and what does that speak to you when it say to you because we are hearing about the prosecutorial record now of Amy Klobuchar. We are now dealing with the issue of stop and frisk with with Mike Bloomberg. Uh, Joe Biden is the crime bill, the 94 crime bill. Does it matter that race is not in the game, but race is still part of the game? One of the reasons why we remain so vigilant in what we do both in community and in uh, these legislative corridors is because we don't want this climate and culture, these practices and policies to be normalized. I think abuse and disrespect has been codified by the law of the land against black folk for so long that that has been normalized. And... But we are at an inflection point and a crossroads where now issues that people perhaps would have glossed over and let lie are rising to the level of accountability. Now, so far as Andrew Yang and Deval Patrick, I think that's where you started this question. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm very grateful for the diversity of this entire Democratic candidate field. I think each of them has contributed something unique and important to the debate. I am with Elizabeth Warren because I've had the honor of calling her my friend and my partner and my senator for a decade. And she has scored high. Um, and it and has the most racially conscious, responsive racial justice policy lens. And she developed these policies in partnership with those closest to the issues. I am not someone that subscribes to the adage that a rising tide lifts all boats when most people or many never had a boat to begin with. And so what is resonant with me is someone that tells the truth about that and the role that the federal government has played in that and has presented plans that are about power. Who has it, who refuses to give it up, and who never had it to begin with. And is centering the people in that policymaking, which is my love language. Because, April, I'm new to Congress, but not government. And I know the power of the pen. And what we see with this administration is the power of the pen used to abuse, used to inflict harm and hurt. So to have someone in the Oval Office that knows the power of the pen and wants to be intentional about writing a path 
that is brighter and progressive and inclusive and racially conscious and targeted and specific in its policies, that matters to me. Someone that unapologetically and doesn't pander, who in every room lists a black entrepreneurship and has a plan for it, who in every room talks about a $50 billion investment in historically black colleges and universities, who in every room talks about redlining, who in every room talks about maternal mortality, who in every room talks about the disproportionate burden bore by black student loan borrowers because of the role the federal government has played in sabotaging our ability to build generational wealth. So she has been a truth teller on the issues that matter most to me. And that is why I am supporting her. Well, I am so appreciative for the time. And um, you just don't know, I'm very appreciative of the time. And I would love to talk to you more. And I know you have other things to do. But I just, I'm glad that we had a time to sit down and talk. Uh, Me too. Yeah. Now, next time, you can take me shopping. (laughs) Hey, if Angela can get you a wig, I can take you shopping. Come on. (laughs) The A's have it, yes. Let me tell you, when you really become my girlfriend, because I do have these units, and they cut it, they clipped it at the end of the root clip, but, you know, they have names. And so when when you and I really get on a good foot, I'll name one after you. All right now. Right now all right now. All right. I, now, I, now I can take your shot. See, I was because yeah. she's my BFF in my head. Okay. And I've got <laughs> I've got Flotus for right. uh, Michelle Obama. Yes. I, I have that. And then I have what I call the OG, the original. Okay. So, uh, because that was the very first one that I got, but you know, I think there's room for April. All right. In my in my unit roster. All right. I haven't named them yet, but I I might do that. Today. Yeah. I'm gonna name. Yes. You know what? <laughs> I'm gonna name the one that I've been wearing lately, the Ayana. Yes. Oh, I received that. Yes. I'm, that. I'm gonna I'm gonna wear that. And I'm gonna, I, I appreciate. <laughs> I'm gonna call it that. I appreciate okay. you. I appreciate All right, you. So thank you. I appreciate you. With this week's On the Record, I'm AURN White House Correspondent April Ryan. Don't forget to subscribe to On the Record on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. On the Record, a product of American Urban Radio Networks.